Happy Creative Writing Day, Duck Dicks. I hope you're ready for this episode. We're going to reveal some stuff. We're going to reveal the winners of the Solstice Slam, final, finally, and some other crap. Take off them riding boots, spark up a fatty, throw back a couple of brews. Creative Writing, shut up. You're, you're listening, listening to the Creative, creative Riding, riding motorcycle, motorcycle Podcast. Podcast. Pop, Pop a beer and throw an earbud in your ear. Now, here's, here's your host. host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but I've seen go on to be an asshole? Video. My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs, whatever they do with cocaine. The victim, I mean guests. It's, it's usually such a horribly set up light, but they like how it looks. It's a cafe racer with alloy manks, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Um, so, I'm familiar with the long hours and the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, Alright, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, you just, you'll just te- be I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. The more I talk it, the more my bike messes up. My wife's like, you're 41 and started a race career. I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yes, I am guest number 632 on Creative Writing Podcast. And I have been programmed to uh, answer all questions perfectly. As big as motorcycle industry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a confederate on an actual confederate in the flesh even fewer have ridden them did you get to do that dave did you <laughs> yes absolutely he's actually in a movie i thought it was a good book I, I didn't want to put it down i wanted to know what happened next but it was not my typical genre all right well now you know what you're in for i do this show with no all my clothes on i do it with all my clothes on I have been doing it with all my clothes on because my studio has a big open window in it, believe it or not. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, the loneliest podcast in the world, the internet's worst motorcycling podcast. And if you know anything about motorcycle podcasts, what you'll know, our podcast in general, what you'll notice is that there's more and more and more coming online. And the more motorcycle podcasts that come online, except for the defunct ones, the lower mind goes down and down and down. What do you think I should do? Do you think I should quit talking about dinosaurs and bananas and cows farting? Yes, I talked about cows farting. Go back and listen to episode 44. Uh, You think I should actually talk more about motorcycles? Maybe I should. Maybe uh, that'd be a good direction for a motorcycle podcast to go in, right? Instead of just being some crazy nerd that rides a motorcycle and talks about everything else. I'm no Alton Brown, folks. I can't uh, ride my motorcycle from place to place and cook some people a meal and have a cooking motorcycle show. You know what I mean? I I just, I don't know. I'm worried about where this show is going. Thank God. Thank God for Solstice Slam and and all four people that contributed because Lord knows what I would have done uh, had I had to do that episode, you know, had zero. I would have had to play like massive amounts of kazoo and harmonica. So yeah, I was going back over the Solstice Slam results and really only four people. Uh, I think that's roughly, oh no, no, I'm sorry. There's five people. 
five people. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So I'm not going to uh, announce the results yet. I want you to suffer through an hour of my blib blab <laughs> at least before we reveal those results. But thank you for everybody. Uh, if you please, man, if you have something, if you're sick of hearing about, uh, you know, fossils in fossil fuels, or if you're sick of hearing about uh, methane and EPA and road work and bananas, how a biker is like a banana. If you're sick of hearing all these crazy stretches and uh, you have a better show topic, do me a favor, email it to the show at creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, for reals, I mean, this, this show is hardly about motorcycles anymore. It's almost really about uh, the insanity that's inside one rider's helmet, namely myself. On this week's show, I want to talk about goals and not reaching those goals. I want to talk about flat track, and then I want to talk about some news. You know, I haven't done any news, recalls, or gear reviews, or not gear reviews, but new gear in a long time. So it's about time I do uh, something, something that involves motorcycles. I'm so disgusted with myself. At uh, This was basically, you know, I had joked with Michelle Mankiewicz uh, many, many, many episodes ago about calling this show Creative Pieding, and all of a sudden we switched the format to pies, and... Uh, I've kind of done that in a roundabout sort of way. So let's get back to motorcycles for goddamn sake. Let's do this. Let's make a show about motorcycles. Let's go! All right. First things first, folks. I wanted to share a funny little tidbit of information I had with one of my uh, co-workers the other day. This is from Mr. Whiskey Cloud. Mr. Whiskey Cloud, you know who you are. Uh, we were talking about basically everything being manufactured in Taiwan or Thailand. I'm sorry, Thailand. And uh, yeah, we were... <laughs> He, he shot me some videos uh, or sent me some videos of some testing that goes on in the Asian markets for, you know, for sound compliance and stuff like that. And instead of having like emissions tests, which I'm sure they still do over there because let's face it, when you have like 300 billion scooters and motorcycles riding around, um, that's why the air looked like it did back in the day before they started you know, making all these crazy uh, emissions controls and whatnot. So they also do sound compliance. And I was thinking the problem Probably do that because also when you have you know 250,000 mopeds and short small scooters and um, other stuff you know you can do uh, they were testing these Yoshimura pipe or something like that making sure it was sound compliant because imagine a city well imagine an American city um, let's say Sturgis I wonder what the sound levels are like in Sturgis during the middle of the bike rally when you got people coming in and out all damn day and if you go look at a picture of, you know, blang, blang town, Asia, anywhere, anywhere on YouTube, uh, where there's just nothing but little mopeds and stuff and scooters, eight people on them carrying a chicken, hell, transporting a dang, you know, towing a trailer behind it, whatever the hell they do over there. I've seen some crazy pictures coming out of, uh, other parts of the world, what they actually do with scooters and, uh, smaller displacement bikes over there. Imagine all those things just blaring, you know, it, you would just go deaf. It would be like uh, world cup time with 10 bazillion vuvuzelas going off in your ear, right? So they do sound compliance over there as well as emission compliance. So uh, we were looking at some stuff. He was showing me the little 50cc stuff. We were watching them split between lanes. And 
he was kind of joking, you know, over there, if they had Harleys, if he moved back to Thailand, that uh, he could, or Taiwan, I don't know where the hell he wanted to move to. But anyway, he was talking about getting his Harley over there because they do allow bigger bikes over there and stuff. But when you're watching them split between cars, um, impossible. It was impossible for some of these guys on the smaller scooters. So imagine trying to get even like a Royal Enfield through there would probably be a little bit of trouble. Um, now, Whiskey Cloud Man says that he is, uh, well, he, he let, let's paint a picture of this guy. If you could imagine Kung Fu Panda, he's like six foot eight. Um, I don't know how much he weighs, but he's just a big guy. He's big boned, you know, he's big for his age. And, uh, so we're joking about the, the, the little 50 CC putters going around, you know, being able to split in between lanes. He wouldn't be able to whip his Harley around there. And let's see, I like maybe a, he does have a soft tail slim, but let's face it. Those aren't slim. You know, the 72, the, uh, the black line, those are a little bit slimmer, but the, the soft tail slim, so ironically named, uh, the fat boy as well. It's, it's like as fat as a fat boy. So at any rate, blah, blah, blah. We were talking about looking at some of the uh, intense filth, filtering and he said that he'd he would at least need a 150 cc uh scooter to get himself around and call him a little putter because let's face it they they basically are sound like a little jetsons uh you know moped going through traffic and uh <laughs> so he said if he couldn't get his job at this particular company that was testing out all these scooters and doing all these reviews and stuff he'd be a great bouncer because let's face it you know a six foot tall dude that looks like or you know six foot twelve guy which is like technically seven seven feet uh who looks like kung fu panda would just be able to punt dudes those little shiny shirt wearing you know five foot two guys weighing 98 pounds just kick them out the door time around the the light pole outside right so here's how I imagine that whole thing going down. Here, let's uh, transport ourselves to some cheesy nightclub in Taiwan. Excuse me, sir. You're going to have to leave. And I just got here. Yeah, sir, but you just got here and you've already had 37 drinks and uh, 14 shots. I'm going to have to ask you to leave for being a major douchebag. I mean, I got my boys here to back me up. Sir, your boys are not going to back you up. I'm about to crumble you up into a small ball and deposit you out on the curb. Man, I'd like to see you try some moves like that on me. Crush, kill, destroy, fly. Man, man, what are you doing? Hey, man, look what that bouncer did to my friend. Hey, guys, I just broke your friend. You might want to get him out of here before something else happens. You might want to let him know that his license to party has been terminated. And then at this point, my my friend puts on some Terminator like aviator style glasses, smiles real big, maybe even a silver grill in his teeth, walks out and jumps on his 50cc scooter and rides off into the sunset. <laughs> Like this eight foot tall gigantic man on this little 50cc putter. Oh man, I don't know about you guys, but that just made my day. You know what else makes my day? Come here. Let's get a little closer. Come here. A little closer. Daily Bikers, you idiot. That's right. Go to dailybikers.com for all your motorcycle needs. You can get awesome candle tins, stickers, 
Father's Day cards, Christmas cards, birthday cards, Australia Day cards. You can get pillows. You can get wall art. You can get radical notebooks to make notes in, even a motorcycle coloring book. What grown-up doesn't want a motorcycle coloring book? Visit our friend, dailybikers.com, today. All right, people. Choices have been made. Decisions have been made. And things, actions have been taken. It was either another beer or a coffee. And I went with coffee. Probably should have went with water. However, our, our next segment is also about choices. Choices, choices, choices. Hello, are you there? First choice, April 8th, Supermoto kickoff at Kern County Raceway. I won't be making it. I will be instead at a t-ball game for a little boy. And then later in the afternoon, parent stuff for school. See, when you have kids, you start making choices between bikes. When you have a wife and uh, or someone you love, you start making poor choices. You make choices to do family things, which means you're not making choices to do bike things. And those choices are very poor choices. You should keep making bike choices. Your family will be around forever, probably hating your guts for half of the time they're alive. So why waste your time with them when you can spend it with a beautiful, beautiful road on a beautiful, beautiful motorcycle? April 28th, Tracker Cross. Guess what? Probably won't be going to that. Thinking about entering the tracker class, the tracker cross. Have you seen how many classes they have? They've got a class for everything. Have you been looking at Rusty Butcher's Instagram for the Mad Max class? They have like a little uh, formula car, like a little Indy car looking thing with probably a two horse or a six horse Briggs and Stratton. I'm guessing like a 212 cc motor, like the kind you can buy at Northern Tool or Harbor Freight or wherever the hell you get your motors from. But uh, yeah thinking about entering the the street tire class at that event um probably not gonna do it why it's the last game of the season for t-ball and there's probably gonna be some closing ceremonies and even if i were to go to the track drive out there or ride out there uh, by the time t-ball was over with and all the uh, closing ceremonies and everything great i probably wouldn't have time to get there and uh, do the racing. Even if the racing's at night, um, probably wouldn't have time to get there and do it and then ride back home afterward. Uh, so, yeah. Gonna have to live vicariously through some of you for that. Poor choices, my friends. Poor choices. You guys wanna hear another bad choice I made? Mmm, this one's gonna really sting ya, especially if you know better. Um, and I should have known better, actually. Should have known better than to treat a friend. Alright, listen to this. You ever had a tank that was so crummy and beat up and rusty and you thought, hey, and uh, you, you just spent a lot of time fixing a dent in it or something like that, you know what I mean? I got a all bunch of special tools that I used to fix dents with my gas tanks. And unfortunately, my buddy's car got broken into while he was borrowing those tools from me. Poor choices. Never, never lend out your specialty tools, especially if you have like a little spot welder slash dent puller. Hmm. At any rate, all, all that aside, uh, fix the tank. 
made a special tool to go inside that tank and bend a dent out of it since I didn't have my little spot welder slash puller anymore. I spent all that time on that tank and decided to steam clean it. Why would you steam clean fresh aluminum? This tank was cherry inside. I didn't need to do that, but I did it. Guess what, my friend? You know what fresh aluminum hates? Water. And, uh... So now that tank looks like it's been sitting outside in someone's barn. That doesn't make any sense. Outside of someone's barn in Ohio for about 23 years now. Instead of the pristine aluminum little baby girl. Well, actually it's mild steel. But it doesn't matter. Rusty McGusty. What I'm going to do here, maybe make another bad choice. I'm going to go ahead and... uh, dip that tank in a vat of vinegar. Vinegar is very acidic and from what I've seen, it eats rust. Now, I don't really care too much about salvaging this tank because I actually want to use the tank uh, to make a, not a mold of, but to use as like a buck to make another tank like to modify. Maybe I'll modify this tank but I still need to clean it if I'm going to do that. Might cut it up and add to it. Who knows? But at any rate, it still can't be grody and yucky inside. So... What a poor choice that was to introduce water vapor and droplets into there without immediately having some sort of either chemical or drying process to put it through. What an idiot. Choices. Bad, bad choices. Also choices. Bad choices made. Yeah, I hear you. Some jerkwad just rode his Harley by really fast. Uh trailer choices I drive a crummy little car I drive a little Scion XB little refrigerator on wheels if I want to go dirt bike and I gotta ride out there I can't cram a dirt bike into that car I think I had a friend that crammed his cafe racer into his Volvo station wagon once but that's a different different deal Uh, I can't cram that into my car whatsoever pulling a trailer behind it's about the only option I got but right now I need all the uh, garage space I can get for my my builds and my camping equipment and all that great stuff. So, I ain't got no trailer. So, I ain't going dirt biking. Ah, choices. Bad, bad choices. Just get a car, like get a Land Cruiser or something, right? Like trade, trade in my car for a Land Cruiser. Something I can even just put a bumper hitch. Like something made by our friends at Yeti Built. You know, over at YetiBuilt.com. They make those awesome hitch carriers. I can get one of those if I got something just a little bit bigger. Don't have to be no dang hot and totten 4x4, 92, 8, series Cummins Diesel Baja Waja. Just gotta be some... Oh, God! My microphone reached out and slapped me for saying all that stuff just now. I apologize. I apologize, microphone. Anyway, just has to be like a Toyota Land Cruiser. Hell, even a Honda Element, probably. RAV4, hell, I don't know what they're bumpers are rated at, but for sure ain't getting no trailer. Which leads me to the last bad choice. And I hope you don't make this choice. Oh, ADV riding, babe. Dig this. Dig this, mama. <laughs> I know you're a guy. I'll call you mama if I want. Alright. When I was uh, talking to the folks over at Cerberus Moto, and you should go check them out, by the way, uh, episode 64, or if you're in San Diego, stop by, check them out in person. They have a beautiful bike there called the Athena, and I think it's going to be at the Outliers Guild Moto Show, coming up here rapidly, uh, pretty soon. 
Oh, if you don't know what rapidly means, it means pretty soon. So anyway, yeah. They took an XS650, I think, and stretched her out, put bigger uh, forks and stuff on her, put nice little chunky meats on her. She is one tough-looking baby. They put roto-packs on her, built uh, little racks to go on it, and got some hand guards. Man, that thing looks the business. It looks the duck's musk, as Dan Michael said, or the cow's titties, or the kangaroo's pouch, whatever you want to say. The bee's knees. So you can't just do that to any bike, you see. Because the bike I wanted to do it to, uh, you know, I was taking my cues from video games where they build these outlandish looking bikes. <laughs> Can't do it to every bike, son. Can't do it to every bike. You're going to lose some of your, uh, some of the stuff you crave, like riding in the twisties, taking a passenger. You won't be able to do all that great stuff once you modify this thing. Maybe uh, get the wrong swing arm angle on there. You know, tweak the crank, sh- uh, the uh, drive shaft, and extend the rake out a little too far. Maybe it don't want to turn. Maybe it just wants to go in a straight line. You gotta think of this stuff before you before you start hacking on a bike to build it. You don't want to start hacking up the frame. I mean, I can, I can wait, re-weld it and change the rake and trail a little bit, but you don't want to have to do all that. Start out with something nice. Start out with something good. Make the right choice. Choices, choices, choices. All right. Well, here's a choice we can live with, and I hope you can too. Hey, did you know that I just learned something recently? I learned that one in five fruit or veggie goes to waste in the United States. People just toss them out, and it's not because they don't like eating them. It's because they look weird. So this company called Imperfect goes around and buys these, quote, imperfect fruits and veggies directly from farmers, and they ship them to you uh, for like 30 to 50% less than what you can buy them for at the store. And they get them straight from the farmer, direct. You know, you can get organic or conventional produce. Each box is customizable, so you can get your old favorites if you like, if you got something that you uh, tend to fall in love with and love to eat, or you can go ahead and try something new. And, you know, it's, each, like I said, each box totally customizable. If you don't like it this time, don't order the next time. And right now, if you... Enter the code Ugly Veggies. You get 50% off your first box. My wife and I have been using this now for a while, and I have to say that they make a tasty snack before you head up to the Twisties. And uh, we've been cooking them for dinner at night, and I, they're just delicious. And they, to me, they don't look all that ugly. They look—they're cuter than me. So try it today. They're not even a sponsor of the show. I just thought of it, and I saw an ad for it sitting here on our on our kitchen table, and I thought I might mention it because right now they're delivering to most of the Bay, I think all of the Bay Area, and they're rolling out neighborhood by neighborhood here in L.A. And, hey, if you want cheap produce, we, we get, like, I think they start at, like, $11 a box, and we've been getting $20 boxes, and it's been lasting, like, a week and uh, we just gobble the stuff up. It's so good. So try it today. Imperfectproduce.com. Enter Ugly Veggies for 50% off your first box. That's a good choice. That's a good choice to make. Now, hey, since this show is all about choices, I decided we should you know episode 69 should be pretty epic there and and what would a, a an episode of creative writing be if we didn't talk about flat track at some point right and man i got to tell you well before i tell you 
69. Man, we could go Nikki Hayden here. I mean, he used to race flat track. But hell, Danny Eslick, man, he's been doing, he rode racing and, well, doing flat track. I was super surprised to see him out there. Um, past few, I don't think, I don't remember if he was in the TT. He probably was, though, but he's been at the past few events. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Danny Eslick, man, one of my favorite American racers, uh, right now I'm, I used to watch that guy just shred it up on the Buell. Uh, I think he won the very last AMA, uh, the 2009 AMA, uh, championship on a Buell. I'll never forget that. That was such a rad, uh, bike. He's always been a really good racer and now he's tearing stuff up on the TCOB or TOCB. Um, I think it's like Dane Westby's dad's team and all that stuff. I kind of have fallen out with American road racing. I mean, hell, it's so hard unless you're like in it and you're checking the internet all the time. It's kind of hard to follow that series. You know what I mean? I used to be able to flick on the telly and catch it, but what the hell? So anyway, uh, I, now to get into what I was going to say about other podcasts. So many other podcasts have been getting into flat tracking recently, and I love it. Well, I love it and I hate it. I love it for the reason that, of course, that means that it's in a pinnacle right now. Well, it's it's on the upswing. Everybody's taking note. These hooligan classes are taking off, and these hooligan races, at least in SoCal, are taking off everywhere. But you're also seeing Flat Out Friday. I can't even tell you, you know, Brian Bell, who did a whole bunch of stuff here with Roland Sands to get the uh, Del Mar flat track off the ground a couple of years ago, is now going like touring the country. He's been doing, he did it at the Sturgis Buffalo Chip, I think, last year. I think that was his, his doing there. Um, they just had Concrete Clash on the coast and Mama tried, uh, you know, the flat out Friday, um, all that stuff. I think he's been kind of arranging stuff similar to that. If he, I don't know if flat out Friday is his deal, but all the other stuff is right now they're doing, uh, something in Arizona. I think it's the Buckeye shootout or something like that. So, I mean, he's just, he's going all over and, uh, hooligan racing is taken off. Uh, it was even at the stagecoach or no, Lost Highway Festival last year, which is music festival. They had freaking flat track racing down in the front. Um, Dirtquake's been going off now for a, a little bit. Uh, the the port, you know, that's usually up in. I forget if that's in Washington or Oregon. I know it's in the Northwest, but now the uh, the one show had uh, flat tracking at it as well. So I mean, and all over SoCal right now. This you know started started a couple weeks ago or uh, last month and it's going to go all the way until it starts pouring rain probably in December. There's going to be flat tracking all over. Um, and so it's just so cool. All these hooligan little flat track things popping up everywhere. It's, it's rising up. Um, a lot of other shows are talking about it and getting into it and it's kind of, uh, it's cool. You know, pit pass has always been talking about it. Um, now I noticed that throttled podcast, uh, I think the guys at loud pipes mentioned it. Um, who, uh, I don't remember if motorcycle man, I don't think they mentioned it that much, but, uh, it, it's cool to see these other, uh, not quite cruiser centric, but you know, different, uh, different sort of, of podcasts getting into, you know, talking about all about the ye old flat track. Uh, the, the one thing that's funny is that, Oh, and the other one I was going to say is the doghouse. Those guys are getting into it big. They've always been into racing, uh, all sorts of motorcycle racing from motocross to MotoGP. And now they're getting into flag track too. So that's three of the ones right off the top of my head that I can think of that never really covered it before, but now they're, they're, 
doing it. And so I'm so happy because it means that flat track is on the rise um, as the professional sport and as a hooligan, you know, follow-up class. So the hooligans are getting a chance to do like support class at some events. And then other events are just popping up at random crap. Like I said, all over the one show and uh, flat out Friday, all this, all this other stuff that coincides with the motorcycle shows for uh, maybe builders and a little bit more hipper, younger, not pro people. Uh, now, the the funny thing is is that people that haven't followed it for a while and they're just now following it it I don't know it's it's cool listening to them get into it and and talk about it and some of the stuff that they uh, actually talk about and and hit on or miss on and it's kind of funny and um, I don't know it, you could tell they haven't watched the past seasons before because this is the first season where they got the big twins out uh, doing just a twins class in a very long time. I don't think they have actually done that since the 80s. They started splitting them smaller and smaller. So it was kind of weird. You could have like a pro, a GNC one guy win like uh, a GNC one title, which was this grand national champion for flat track. But you could also have him win a singles title and a twins title in the same year. He could hit, you know what I mean? Because they didn't have them split up before. And that also made it confusing because the GNC2 class, they ran different colored plates, but they also ran on twins and singles. So it, I really do think that this year, um, I don't, you know, for whatever reason, it just seems like not only has it gained popularity, but because of the style, you know, like the tracker style coming into popularity, but also because I think Michael Locke did a brilliant job of retooling that and their rebranding and splitting AFT promotions off of it and, and the AMA renaming it, you know, the twins and the singles, every single thing they did you know, really stepped up the public's understanding and attention. And it should be like when you watch hockey and all of a sudden the whistle blows or you're watching, you know, some other like rugby, I can watch it, but I don't get all the rules. And all of a sudden when a whistle blows for no reason, you know, you're like, what the hell? So at least at this, you can kind of come in and, you know, the twins are going to be running twins class. The singles are going to be running the singles class. The other thing is, is that the twins aren't going to run all the TTs, I think the twins, oh, obviously they had the Daytona, they're going to have Peoria, but there's a couple more coming up that I think are just going to be singles. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I guess I could do my due diligence to pull up the schedule, but uh, the one thing I did want to say is that, you know, just wanted to go over a couple of the like rules and stuff like that, because I noticed that, you know, when you're looking at the, the, flat track site even my coworker is, is just getting into it and he's like oh man because he owns a, a harley and he's like hey man i'm gonna watch the harley race and blah 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 hey man they weren't they weren't going around the oval and i said yeah you know they were going on the they were doing the tt and it's exciting because the twins haven't jumped the tt in a long time and it's the first time in daytona blah blah i was getting all into it and he was like uh-huh i just want to see harley's go in a circle so i was like all right well listen up here's how the twins class works and here's how the singles class works right and uh, he was like, oh, that Jared Meese guy, he's only he's only 17, huh? And I looked at Jared Meese's profile on there, and it, yeah, it says he was born in 2000. Jared Meese was not born in 2000. Jared Meese has been racing since, shoot, I can't even think of when he actually started, but uh, he's been winning almost since, uh, you know, a little bit after, two, like 2009 or seven or something like that. Uh, and so he would have been like, 
seven years old racing a pro class. Uh, yeah, that's wrong. I think he's 30, mid 30s. He's married. If you ever watched Nicole Chezza, she was fun to watch race. And uh, they got married at 2014, I want to say, or 2015, something like that. And um, yeah, so they, you know, he married her. He was sick of uh, seeing a girl go around you know, trying to beat her on the track. So he married her and, uh, yeah, you, you have to be at least 18 as far as I know, in, in most states to get married. So yeah, that's wrong. Um, some of the other stuff was, was a little confusing or wrong, but it's funny to hear people talking about, you know, just who won what, Oh yeah. The other guy, Halburn, what's his name? Halburn on his, uh, on the old Harley beat, beat, you know, the Indian was third, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, got me thinking about it. And right off the top of the top of the, my head, I was thinking, you know what? That not only did that sound kind of weird to me, um, Sammy Halbert, even, even as far as like the first race, the Daytona, he was on an FZ07. He was supposed to ride a Yamaha this year, and I don't know what happened. All of his preseason stuff showed him racing on his Yamaha on an FZ07, and it showed him. Uh, doing little in his driveway or wherever the hell. Yeah. I think it was in his driveway at, at his house. He lives like near an airport. He was doing stuff out there in his driveway on a circle track, you know, practicing. Uh, he raced a couple local stuff there in indoors in Washington, uh, against singles. And I think he won actually on his twin and all this stuff. And then even the Daytona and then the results do show him, uh, for the last couple events, the uh, the short track and then the the uh, Char- Charlotte and uh, the uh, Dixie Dixie Speedway, he was on. I don't know. It was weird. He's on a Harley on an XR, and I thought, well, that's weird. I wonder. I don't know what happened with the Yamaha deal, but uh, he's totally talking about how Yamaha helped him. You know, thanking Yamaha, thanking the you know the builder, and I think Estesin Logistics was still the sponsor for the Yamaha. Well, and since Sammy's not a factory rider, he can probably switch back and forth. You know what I mean? I'm not, you're not really, if you're not a factory rider, uh, I don't know what your contract states like back, but when it was GNC one and two, uh, you know, a lot of those guys are a factory rider would win the season on a Honda at a short track. You know, you could ride, you would have a different deal with like your singles versus your, uh, Versus the twins, obviously. And so I don't know if that's what's going on. If Sammy's got a, an FZ for the shorter tracks and, and you know, for the miles and three eighths miles and whatever, he's going with the Harley. I, I don't know. But uh, if you look at the Daytona results, he started out on his on his FZ and it seems like he's moved to a Harley for the last couple. Uh, I thought I'd go over some of the motorcycles. Uh, um, the official rules... Uh, state that these are the approved AFT twins on the American Flat Tracker, a twins list. Um, so this is all twin cylinder engines approved for use in the American Flat Track competition as stated in their rule book. Uh, alphabetically listed, we begin with the Aprilia. The Aprilia Rotax V990, which is like in the Tuono and the uh, RSV Mille. The BMW their uh, F800, uh, the F-Series 800 twin, parallel twin. Ducati, you can use the the uh, the two-valve 991 from the uh, Desmo Due. 
Uh, you can use the 748 from the Desma Quattro. You can use the uh, Tetra Strata 11 degree four valve uh, water cooled, which is in like the Hyper Motard. 939, the Monster 821, the Super Sport 937. Or you can use the uh, Tetra Strata 4 valve, uh, which is in the uh, 749 or the 848. Or you can use the Super Quadro, which is a 959. And you might be thinking, well, what the hell? They got everything there from like a 750 up to like a 950. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And if the power output is really what matters or the torque or whatever else they're measuring that's what the numbers are looking at there they're not looking at displacement whatsoever harley davidson you can you know a lot of these guys are running the xr 750s still and those have been running since 1972 and there's a lot of the reasons that they're going away part of it is because you're not allowed to have like specialty made stuff. So, I mean, you can refresh these things and like wear items and all that stuff, of course, but you can't make like a new specialty XR motor. You know what I mean? You got to, you can only replace the stuff that breaks on it and you're supposed to use, you know, whatever stuff is in spec. That's why the whole reason they're coming out with the XG to rev it because see those XRs, from what I remember, the big deal about needing to replace it was because those things started out life like revving up to like 7,500 RPM. You know what I mean? Like a big, like a V8 car, you can't rev those things out like you can a, uh, a little four banger or a six banger. And, um, you know what I mean? Like even like a V12 or something with super small pistons, those things can rev up to like 14,000 RPM or something like that. So those XRs, they they were getting the need to have like be able to rev higher, and that's why they went to the four valve um, XG and water cooled and all that stuff to you know just try to get the revs way up up a little bit higher. And the way they go into the corners and whatnot, um, they're st- they're like over revving them, you know. So those the XRs which started life stock making like. I don't know, run at 7,500 RPMs. They're getting run up to like almost 10,000 in the corners, like nine something, right? And so they're like, what the hell? So the XGs apparently can rev a little higher. I don't know exactly what their numbers are, but you know, apparently they can be comfortable around 10,000 without blowing up. So a lot of people are using those. They're using, uh, well, they're using the XR still. From 1972 to still kicking ass today, as you know, we've seen Halbert was was set to take first at uh, Atlanta and uh, took third at Charlotte. So I mean, those XGs are still working overtime, or the XRs. I'm sorry, the XRs are still working overtime. Let me get this straight before I confuse everyone by trying to sort this out. Um, and then in 2015 was when the streets came out, and so you can use the XG750R or the new race only XG 750R Revolution X, which is like a race only motor, you know. Um, and I, I, I'm going to talk about those in a minute because I think those are the ones that might have had the concessions made for them. Uh, the Honda RS 750. If you remember the RS, it was pretty badass. 2011 is the last, I think they might have made them up until 2012 or offered them to 2012 here in the States, but 2011, I think it was, was the last year. Those things look, I don't know, they look, they're kind of cruisery, but the red, white, and blue paint scheme from 2011, 
2010 or 2011. Look up that bike. It's not too bad. It don't it don't look like a big old greasy shadow Harley Davidson ripoff. It kind of looks like a classic standard. Like you could almost see flat tracker when you look at it. So uh, you can use those. Uh, you can use the 670 parallel twin that's in the um, CT. X 700 or the NC 700 X, which is like their little parallel twin in the, uh, off-road off-road bike, or you can use the, uh, 998 parallel twin. That's in the Africa twin, the CRF, uh, 1000 from Indian. You can use, well, the FTR 750, which is their race only engine, or you can use a scout 60 motor. So, uh, both of those are totally, I think the scout 60 is, uh, I want to say it's um, I want to say it's somewhere close to like a 650, or maybe it is 750. I forget or 761. I forget exactly the displacement. Um, the Kawasaki's you can use the uh, 649 parallel twin, and that's the same motor that they run in the Ninja, the Versus, and the uh, Vulcan S. So if you're like, man, my Vulcan S seems pretty fast, but uh, so relaxed in style, it's because they're using the motor out of the Ninja. And uh, same thing on the verses. For KTM, you can use the LC8, which was uh, 950 or 990. Maybe it, maybe that came in both, depending on the year. But 2003 to 2013 is when those were made. Yeah, and I think depending on the year, it was 950 or 990 cc. For Suzuki's, <clears throat> you can use the uh, the 650 V twin out of the SV 650 or the V Strom. Um, you can use the 03 to 07 SV1000, or you can use the 97 to 01 TL1000. Those are some pretty sweet little bikes. And then you can also use, <coughs> pardon me, you can use the 996 V Twin out of the uh, older or the newer S- SV1000 or the DL1000, which is the um, the V Strom uh, 1000. And then Triumph, you got the T100, which uses a 900cc parallel twin, which is like the Bonneville, you know, motor. Or you can use the 865 parallel twin from the Scrambler or Thruxton. Yamaha, you got the 689 parallel twin that comes out of the FZ07. And that's what's legal for 2017, as of like February. So just, uh, you know, a couple months ago. The AFT singles, here's what is approved. You got the Honda uh, 2009 to current uh, CRF450R. You got the Husky uh, FC450. You got the Kawasaki KX450F. And KTM's got a few of them. You can use the 09 to current SXF model, the uh, 12 and up uh, 450 XS FE, which I forget what that that hell stands for. It's like their competition enduro. Or you can use the 2009 uh, 450 XC. A couple couple different motors, a few different motors you can pick out of KTM's lineup. Um, From Suzuki, you got the RMZ 450 from 2009 up. Yamaha, of course, you got the YZ450F from 2009 up, and Zeta. If you've never heard of Zeta or Zeta, um, I think they're a Spanish company. You can use their uh, 450DT carbureted version, and they make 
Zeta makes like flat track specific bikes. I think they're from Spain. Yeah, I think they're Spanish. And they make like super specific uh, bikes for dirt track, for uh, motocross. I think they might make one. I think they made a street tracker. And those things, pardon me, they got some coverage back a while ago in in like Cycle World or Ride Apart or something like that because they are some nuts looking bikes. They are so cool looking. Uh, I can't even tell you. And uh, I was looking at the technical allowance list and because I read something about Harleys a while back and I was thinking about it and I'll talk about that in a sec. So I was looking to see what the technical allowances were for and I didn't see Harley on here, but I did see Triumph T100 Bonneville. You can use a different cylinder and cylinder head assembly um, and it gives some part numbers. And then the the KTM, you can use different throttle body assemblies. Two, there's two different ones, probably depending on the year range, if you got the 950 or the 990. Um, so I didn't see anything about Harley, because if you remember the XG, that had the, the rear cylinder head was flipped around. So on a Harley, most Harleys actually, you got a throttle body in the middle and it looks like a w- upside down Y cause you, or, you know, sideways Y cause you got the carburetor or the intake there. And then you got the intake ports going into the heads right there at the inside. So the exhaust pipes come out one points out the front and one points out the back. Now, if you ever seen the X, the old XRs, um, both intakes point out the back. So basically the, uh, the rear head has been like flipped around and both exhausts point out the front and the carburetors are hanging out there on one side and the exhaust usually go to the other. And that's how you can kind of spot the old XRs versus the new XGs. Cause on the new XGs, since they don't have carburetors, you can't do that. You can't have two separate throttle bodies. Um, you know what I mean? that's like a whole bunch of fuel injection and wiring and crap you got to figure out. So you only, you got one throttle body there. So on the new XGs, they, they kept it stock. They didn't flip the rear head around. And so when you look at it, you can see the, the exhaust pipes there, uh, one coming out the front, one coming out the back. So, um, I was looking, I was thinking now they're run. they must be running a stock throttle body or something, but I, I read something, uh, from, I forgot about it when they first came out with it and they did like this whole technical write up on it. I think Kevin Cameron did in, uh, he wrote one up on the Indian and one up on the Harley. I think I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's, if it is Kevin Cameron or not, but, uh, yeah, I wrote up this bitch in article on, on the build when Harley was first coming out with it. And, uh, basically describing their throttle body setup the stock one was too small wasn't getting enough air in so they did make a concession where harley could have like a cnc milled like dual throat throttle body instead of their single throat because on you know on the stock bike you got your one air cleaner and there's just one tube going into the throttle body you know and then their fuel injectors and all that crap sits in there um so on the race bike they have I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm like coughing in your ear on the race bike. They got a dual throat, uh, manifold and it's got an injector like right behind each butterfly. So they, they did let him run that instead of the stock one. Um, but like I said, I didn't see that in the uh, technical allowance list. So it might've been something like right there in the beginning that they decided we need to talk to him about this right away, uh, and kind of get this out of the way. Also, I don't, a hundred percent remember from a long time ago, uh, 
you know, but I vaguely remember a few years back, um, something about, you know, like I, I remember they used to run like Desmo 1100s, uh, against the Harley XRs, you know, and how was Harley keep winning? And they basically had restrictor plates on them so that they were all run, you know, all basically getting the same amount of power. But then of course that restricted how certain engines performed at certain RPMs or like the fuel. And that's how Harley kind of stayed dominant. So, I mean, if it can't be a run what you brung, or else you would have people racing like Hayabusa motored, you know, like Kenny Kenny Roberts TZ750 out there and all that stuff. But um, so you, you can't quite do like a if you can't knock it or you can't keep it even with displacement, you got to do it somehow, right? So the restrictor plates um, restricted fuel flow and stuff like that. But then they started. I don't know, things start going to fuel injection and like you get all these electronics and stuff in there and a restrictor plate doesn't quite work anymore. So I, if I remember correctly, that's how they got stuff done in the beginning and now they're doing it a little bit different. And now you see these motors, like I said, going from 650 all the way up to uh, 990 uh, for some stuff, you know. So it's a pretty interesting little spread there. As I mentioned before, I know I've mentioned on other podcast before um that this really lets the manufacturer shine and if you don't believe me just look at all the buzz around harley and around indian and the fact that people have like totally forgot about every other brand out there even though if you looked at the past few races there's been a hell of a lot of kawasaki's those ninja motors are popular um Triumph used to be pretty popular too. Um, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of cool advantages I see to breaking the classes apart like this because then the 450s get a shine too. You know what I mean? KTM is in there mixing it up. Yamaha's in there mixing it up. I think Dalton Gaultier has won three in a row for, I believe he's on a Yamaha, uh, this year. So yeah, I mean, that's another Yamaha would not have shined like this. Um, especially with this Indian and Harley rivalry getting publicized like it has been, um, if it hadn't been for the singles class. So yeah, I really, I'm stoked about, I'm stoked about this year and I'm super glad that a lot of other guys are coming on and, uh, it's funny listening to him pronounce guys' names. Also, I did notice too, like Shayna Texter, you know, she used to race in the twins class. Now she's racing singles and, it's, I think that she's going to have, I think she's been on the podium two or three times this year and she's really, you know, I don't know, you get lost in the mix when all it's just like watching, like I said, watching world rally when Sebastian Loeb won after Colin McRae died, Sebastian Loeb won for like 12 fucking years in a row. And it was getting pathetic to, to watch that after a while. So if you don't want to just see Meese and Baker win all the time and you know, kind of everybody else got swept under the rug. And, um, so now it's cool to see Shayna going, dropping back to the singles, the Bauman brothers, uh, Briar and Bronson Bauman, uh, you see them a lot. Um, and, and it's interesting that you have not, you know, really seen them. Uh, some of the other stuff they've been mentioned, the safety and the fact that, you know, we just lost Jamison minor, which is awful. I seen a lot of guys actually putting it up like Brian Smith and, and Corey texture. And I think Sam Halbert putting up, you know, sorry to have lost you so soon, but, uh, also I, I saw AFT mentioned this week that Kyle McGrain would have turned, I believe, 18 this uh, this month, a couple days ago, a few days ago. And, of course, he and Charlotte Kynes passed. 
at last year's uh, Santa Rosa Mile for the for the season finale up there. Track conditions were horrible. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Stevie Bonzi crashed out there and uh, and got pretty hurt too. I'm I can't remember either, but I think at the Pure TT last year, Dominic Calendars. The the TT there was a bunch of injuries, and I don't remember exactly that too. But uh, Dominic Calendars got hurt there. Um, yeah, there was a couple other ones too. Like last year was was a pretty rough year, uh, mostly because of the drought and track conditions. Um, just all across the U.S., it, it seems like California wasn't the only place experiencing dry conditions. I mean, let's just put it that way, and everybody was kind of you know, talking about track safety and this and that. So it's been kind of tragic, uh, a past few, a tragic season. Um, and so this year, you know, of course, Jameson passed and, and hopefully everybody else is, you know, there's always going to be crashes and that's just how flat track is. And hopefully it's a little bit safer of a season. We'll see, uh, you know, as things go down. But also that's the thing with the twins going on the TT courses now. Uh, A lot of people going down in the S at the uh, Daytona TT. and A lot of people falling there in in the corners. So pretty interesting to see how people are going to change riding, how it's going to be. Heard a lot of people talking about, I mean, it's so weird. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard people talking about slowing down motorsports. And I mentioned it before I got some feedback from it immediately about like, I don't, you know, we shouldn't say how fast people can go because that's a slippery slope. And then like all of a sudden you can't, you're not even allowed to ride. You know, you have to have your uh, computer programmed motorcycle drive you everywhere at 57.3 miles per hour. But I have heard people say it in motocross, flat track, road racing, like every discipline, how, you know, as the bikes are going, especially like in MotoGP, capable of 200 plus miles an hour, um, we're just now getting the tires up to be able to, you know, the, the, the more the tires and electronics are able to go at those speeds, the human body is still the human body. And until we become like a cyborg or something like that, or like race robots, I think I joked about that once when people were talking about Yamaha's riding robot going to catch Rossi one day and, uh, you know, Kawasaki coming out with the AI, um, and Honda now having that self-balancing self-driving bike, like, you know, I don't want that day to come either, but I'm just saying like, we I don't know if we need to go that fast. Um, I've heard actually road racers talk about racing smaller bikes that are almost less capable is more exciting because it doesn't take quite as much to push it to the limit, you know, and push it to the edge. So I'm interested as far as flat track goes, not to digress too far uh, and get too far off track, but I'm interested to see how well it goes this year with them doing TT on bigger bikes, not hucking it as far, not charging as hard, knowing they have to be able to turn these monsters in the corners and seeing if it actually riding bigger bikes, bigger, faster bikes actually does improve safety because they have to do it a little bit slower than they were on the singles and they can't go balls to the wall uh, and, you know, crash out and, and smash into each other and run each other over and get flung off and all this other stuff that tends to just thrash uh, flat track riders. So uh, obviously that is super cool and I'm super excited about that. I think I've pumped enough flat track into you and uh i hope i hope the uh just letting you know what bikes are out there is pretty cool maybe in the 
upcoming ep- episodes, we'll talk more about like riders and stuff like that or styles and uh, get into that. But there won't be a flat track race for a little bit. I think the next one's going to be like 30 some odd days away. So if you're if you want your fix, you're going to have to go to fans choice and you're going to have to uh, look at some reruns. And the 13th of May is going to be the Arizona Mile. Um, Law Tigers Arizona Mile presented by Indian. So going back and forth between Harley and Indian all year. So that's another thing to look out for. All right, let's quit talking about flat track. Let's talk about something fun, dude. Let's talk about your butt. Hey, folks, before we talk about your butt, let's talk about something that matters. It matters a lot. And that is jazz jazz hands motherfucker i'm talking about johnnyjswing.com johnny j and the fat the fat foot fujis <laughs> i better redo this part all right everybody johnny j and the flat foot fujis can be found at johnnyjswing.com they play like 1940s and 50s jazzy jump bluesy uh, really fun fun music fun to dance to fun to ride your classic cafe race or two and all around fun just to listen to on a sunny spring day afternoon how do you make a handkerchief dance you put a little boogie in it how do you make you dance listen to johnny J and the flatfoot flugees their album is out now on black house label records check them out johnnyjswing.com All right, all right, everybody. Let's move on to something, well, I hope it's extremely fun. I thought it was quite funny when I first uh, started looking at it. But uh, let's look up some biker news. I don't really talk about biker news or recalls that much anymore because, frankly, it's pretty crappy to me. And I was looking up biker news locally and just everything was death, death, death. If it bleeds, it leads. And I didn't really want to do all that. But there has been some biker news I think worth talking about. Let's start off with the first one. Three Tipperary men, and if you're not sure where Tipperary is, it's uh, somewhere where you don't know. And if you do know where it is, you know what I'm talking about. They uh, they robbed a rival biker, and what they did, they stole his motorcycle club jacket in a turf war. Now, these guys are allegedly aligned to the International Banditos Motorcycle Club, and they pled guilty to ultimate insult, in quotes, ultimate insult. Now, I think the ultimate insult, uh, well, I don't know if taking someone's jacket is my ultimate insult. I guess to a biker, that is. But also, you plead guilty to ultimately insulting a rival gang. That's kind of funny. Uh, the Banditos also, I want to mention, what a apropos name for an outlaw gang. Hell's Angel, I mean, you, don't, you never want to go by the Angels. But the Hell's Angels, yeah, okay. But, you know, there's a, there's a motorcycle club called the Ice Cream Men from Hell. That's a terrible name and uh i don't know there's probably there's the the flaming knights like that's a little ambiguous you know what i mean there's there's a bunch of clubs that i'm not 100 percent sure of the name i mean i, I wouldn't want to go by like the the my little bronies or something like that uh, definitely not like the the alley cats or or the pussy willows um but the banditos i mean that's a pretty solid if you're going to go with an outlaw name, that's a pretty solid outlaw. That's like dates back to like the uh, the uh, the frontier days, right? So these guys, they aren't the banditos. They're supposedly uh, they aligned with them. So let's let's find out a little bit more about these fellas, shall we? 
Oh, so Alan Cookie McNamara. All right, Cookie. That's such a bad biker name. That's almost as bad as, I mean, if you're the ice cream man biker gang and your name is Cookie, I mean, you know, I don't don't need to make a joke here. The joke has made itself. So Cookie, he was a former member of the Road Tramps. Another terrible name, the Road Tramps. We all have Road Tramp stamps. You got to have a Road Tramp stamp to be in a Road Tramps motorcycle club. But anyway, he was a former member and he joined up with the Caballero MC. Now, Caballero means cowboys in Spanish. Is that a football team or a motorcycle club? I mean, I got my ass whooped by a cowboy today, a Caballero he done whooped my butt. I used to, my name is Cookie. I'm an ice cream man and a, a cowboy done, done beat me up. I don't know. I'm, I'm going a little crazy with this, I know, but it does stick with me here. So basically, uh, so Cookie McNamara or McNamara, I don't know if you're Irish, how you pronounce that, but uh, he was a former member of the Road Tramps. He joined up with the Caballeros, which you know, if you were once a tramp, you never go to the Caballeros, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, he was knocked to the ground and stripped of his patches by three Road Tramp members. Now, the uh, the Limerick Circuit Court, which might tell you where this is taking place, said that that was the ultimate insult among biker gangs. Yeah, screw the your mama jokes. Screw uh, the your wife is so fat. Screw the uh, I just screwed your girlfriend. None of that matters. Tipping over your bike, spitting on your seat, you know, riding someone else's bike naked. None of that shit. It's knocking you down and taking your cut ripping your patches off that's the ultimate insult um yeah i could think of so many more things that are insulting to me than that you know what i mean hell just riding my own motorcycle is an insult to my sensibility uh but yeah so that's the ultimate insult the robbery uh they robbed him of his pride apparently the robbery was captured on close circuit television outside of kelly's pub in dune county limerick this happened back in June of 2015. So it's taken a couple years for these dudes to finally admit that they did the ultimate insult to this guy and plead guilty. So the three defendants who pleaded guilty of robbing, robbing Mr. Cookie of his patches are Seamus Dugan of Ballyhane, Kappa White, James McCormack of Redden's Walk, Dundam Road, Tipperary Town, which is an awesome name. That almost sounds like Border Town, Border Town. Tipperary Town, I like that. And uh, Raymond Nellen of Commonaline, Commonaline, Capawhite. Uh, yes, this took place in Ireland. And uh, hey, you know what's green and comes out in the springtime? Patio furniture. All right, let's move on to the next uh, story. But anyway, yeah, he was approached by the uh, him. Cookie and his wife were approached by these dudes as they left the bar. They stripped him of his patches. His wife told him she could never be with the man who did not have his uh, road tramp patch. And uh, she she bailed, hopped on the back of, uh, you're never going to believe the other guy's name. It's uh, Fudge Sprinkles. She jumped on the back of Fudge Sprinkles' bikes and away they went. Uh, some other motorcycle news you may have seen recently. Uh, actually, let's... 
talk about one that you might have seen a long time ago in India. A dude riding his moped, his like 150 Bajaj, I'm gonna guess, Bazaz, whatever the fuck they call those things over there. He's riding along and a mattress flies out of a truck and boom, he lands on it and skids safely to a stop. Well, uh, in Queensland, let's go to Australia now for this little bit of news. Um, in Queensland, in a tunnel, a dude was riding behind a truck and a mattress flew out of the dude's truck and it wedged up underneath the, or well, between the, uh, the fork and the engine luckily just sucked right up under there and the bike kind of skidded to a stop rather than like flipping over the bars or falling over on it. It really just literally stopped it in its tracks and uh, the the driver of the truck was fined two seventy five Australian, which is about thirteen dollars U.S. And uh, yeah, for he was fined for driving around with an unsecured mattress in his car. Uh, you should have seen the lady he was driving around with. Talk about unsecured, man. But anyways, you can find a video tunnel video of the uh, accident happening, and uh, the guy, you know, it's pretty. It's not exciting whatsoever. The guy just like uh, steps off his bike and goes, eh, what do you know? I ran over a mattress, see? Um, there was another video on YouTube a while back about the dude that ran over like this big thing of foam that fell off a truck, uh, probably in Florida. But those are those are so funny looking at those and seeing the people, um, you know, you're like, man, I would have steered left and you steered right, right into the thing. I don't know if it's target fixation or if it's... Uh, you know, just bad luck. But these people always, you know, it makes the news because they run into it. It wouldn't make the news if they missed it. So thank you for running over a mattress, bro. Uh, in other news, a motorcyclist arrested after rear-ending a police officer. This happened in good old San Antonio, Texas. A uh, motorcycle is well, motorcyclist. The motorcycle isn't actually facing any charges, but the motorcyclist is uh, facing charges after running into the back of a police car. The accident occurred just after 11 p.m. Thursday on Loop 410 West near Honeysuckle. Uh, I can think of a lot worse places for an accident to happen than Honeysuckle, but come on, you know how those Honeysuckle cops are. They give you the beat down, bro. So anyway, it was on the city's north side, not far from the Castle Hills Police Department. In case all that, I don't know if all that's relative. This person really went uh, out of their way to describe to you the exact scene of the crime. Surprised they didn't give a, a mile marker. So, at any rate, the police uh, officer attempted to pull the motorcyclist over after he was doing 90 miles per hour. Holy crap, a motorcyclist doing 90. And uh, the officer pulled his vehicle in front of the motorcycle, and that's when the motorcycle rear-ended the officer's vehicle. That is so weird. Like, you're doing 90, blowing down the freeway, and someone pulls right in front of you, and you rear-end them, and then you're getting trouble for rear-ending them. Now, granted, you shouldn't be doing 90 miles an hour into the back of a cop, but if you do, I highly suggest you anticipate getting uh, charged for something afterwards, and especially if you're in Honeysuckle. Man, that guy probably not going to make it out of Honeysuckle Prison alive. Honeysuckle Prison. Best sexual innuendo I've ever made up in my life. Thank you. All right. All right, man. I think I, I think it's time for a beer. I'm getting off this coffee. This coffee makes you crazy. Beer is where it's at, yo. Uh, so another thing I wanted to mention 
another motorcyclist getting hit by random stuff was uh, this one comes comes to us uh, when a motorcyclist was hospitalized after a piece of plywood came off a truck in uh, Washington. Now, according to the Washington State Patrol, now this guy's on a Harley. What type of dude do you think rides a Harley? An old fat white guy? What do you think of Washington State Patrol? W-A-S-P. Now, that was a terrible rock band, but also you can't get more wider sounding than Wasp. <laughs> the Wasps. They're, uh, this old fat white guy got knocked off by plywood. I mean, this is like the literally the white trashiest thing I've ever heard of. An, an old dude gets knocked off his bike by flying plywood. Um, not apparently not as soft as a mattress because the guy in Queensland was able to just like ride it out and step off his bike. Uh, this old dude ended up in a ditch, uh, flipped over who knows how many times. Um, so the driver of the truck that had the plywood has not been cited. Um, but he's expected to be as the investigation continues, he may claim that it was not his plywood or that the plywood had a mind of its own. And he told it to stay down in the back of the truck, but it just decided it didn't like Harley Davidson's and it flew off and hit a dude. Um, I don't know if you know where Kitsap County is, but it's uh, right next to Mustard County. Kitsap? Must- oh, God. Kill yourself now. Anyway, so it happened around 4.30 p.m. on Friday. I'm not going to tell you what Friday because I don't want you to know how old this might be from 1973. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it flew out. The motorcyclist was taken to St. Joseph's in, in Tacoma. And the wasp did, wasp did not know the severity of the injuries, which is the Washington State Patrol. All white dudes on the force, I'm guessing. Um, so anyway, officials say the driver of the truck holding plywood has not yet been cited. Uh, as the investigation continues, he will be assaulted, uh, charged with assaulted with a future bookcase. I made that part up. I thought it was pretty funny. That was me. There are two more that I want to cover uh, before we get off the news. One of them, also coming out of Texas, is uh, a motorcyclist has been side. Uh, I'm sorry, motorcyclist has been airlifted. Uh, to Scott and White Hospital in Temple after he slammed into the back of a College Station Police Department patrol vehicle uh, Sunday morning. Now, this happened Sunday morning, a couple of Sundays ago. So anyway, this 27-year-old dude ran into the back of a patrol car that was just sitting there while the officer was conducting a DWI investigation, and he suffered multiple fracture, fractures and major internal injuries. Uh, so I don't know what's up with dudes running into cop cars in Texas, but this one happened in Temple. I don't know what I'd rather go to, Temple or the Honeysuckle Prison. <laughs> honeysuckle Prison. I'm loving that. I'm gonna make up a. I'm gonna make up the honeysuckle prison tonight, and I'll tell you next week what it is. Huh? Huh? All right. And the last piece of news, and um, probably the most important piece of news that I want to blab at you about, is something that happened also uh, last. Ooh, I want to say maybe two years ago. And uh, this comes out of, I believe, Texas as well. What the hell? Texas is the new Florida, apparently, when it comes to motorcycles. So a Granbury man who swerved into a couple of motorcycles in Hood County, uh, and this actually went viral also a couple of years ago. I think this happened in 2015. Uh, yeah, this dude, they were passing on a double yellow. The guy didn't like the fact that they were passing, and it has been determined that um, 
had they been passing, they had they would have been breaking the law and being total jerkwads, and that would have been that. But this dude, Mr. William Sam Crumb, uh, and you know they only list people's three names if you're a serial killer or if you run over motorcyclists. Uh, so William Sam Crumb, uh, he's almost 70 years old, this old dude. He was convicted uh, two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, which is what happens when you use like a 3,800-pound car to try and hit somebody they considered a deadly weapon. He got sentenced to 15 years in prison. So this dude's going to be like 85. I mean, sure, he'll get like time served. I think he's been in there for two years. Um, I don't think he posted bail. I think the law-abiding biker show did a little thing on this guy. And since they're LEOs, they looked him up and he's been just sitting in there for two years. So he'll probably get two years time served because he couldn't post bail. Um, and so he'll be almost 85 when he gets out. There. He'll be well over, you know, over 80 unless he uh, gets, you know, time for good behavior for taking his Geritol on time and not pooping in his pants. I don't know. I made that part up too. I'm, I'm making up a bunch of lame stuff tonight. But anyway, the important part is that you know, he's been accused. Eric Eric Sanders was the dude that he smashed into, a 37-year-old dude. I think he had a pillion on back, but this guy straight up swerved and caused him to crash and uh, be completely injured and totaled his bike and didn't need to do it. Just let the guy pass. And he's doing something bad, but he's doing it on a long stretch of road. No cars coming in the other direction. You know, what would have happened if you let him go by first, you know? You weren't going very fast to begin with, so it's not like he was cutting you off before you had to, like, make it, you know, literally cutting you off at the pass before you had to make it through some tight little squeezy area or this and that. He was just, you just didn't like to see him passing on a double yellow and this young whippersnapper on a motorcycle. And since it's Texas, they probably didn't need to wear a helmet, so the guy who he crashed into is probably dead. Um, But anyway, yeah. Uh, Crumb suddenly swerved across the painted divided lines also going on to the wrong. I want to mention that. He also broke the law by crossing over the W yellows, clipped the bike, uh, causing it and the bikers to fall and slide along the pavement. And I, terrible, terrible. I'm glad he got 15 years. You should not do that. Just because it doesn't matter if it's another car or uh, guys on a bike or whatever. Or if you're on a bike and people on a car are trying to pass you, like... Just let him pass. Is it really worth getting almost killed for and then going to jail for? So that's the last thing I want to mention about uh, the news, the motorcycle crazy news. Let's move on to something eh, a little bit different. All right, everybody. This is going to be a new feature, a new segment of the show that I'm probably going to start doing every week uh, around this time, around the one minute 10 mark or one minute 15 mark of the show. Right before we wrap things up, it's going to be called The Backfire. And The Backfire, of course, is what happens when things ain't running quite right on your back. So The Backfire is going to be things that I notice when I am listening to the plethora of other motorcycle podcasts that I listen to, maybe even things that I have said, things that pop up in the news, uh, funny things, you know, things like I mentioned earlier about how the other guys are, uh, other, other shows are mentioning in flat track and stuff. And I like, I'm going to point out, be real shitty and snide and point out something that they messed up or some. You know, something like that. So the first thing on the backfire, I don't, did I mention this before? 
I'm not 100%. You slap me in the face if you want to. Throw down your iPad. Hey, take your phone, if you're listening on your phone, and smash it into the concrete real hard, if I've already mentioned this one. But the card part's not being returned. Now, I might have mentioned this right after, uh, you know, within the last five episodes, but uh, I had helped somebody rebuild a carburetor. And if you, do you know where, okay. Yeah, okay. So I helped somebody rebuild a carburetor and, uh, you know, took it all apart for him, show him, showed him how to do it. They had their, uh, it's an older dude. He had his son actually rebuild it. And then uh, I helped him put it back in because I, you know, somebody down in another town. And the next time I was in that town, I helped the guy put it back in. I was like, dude, literally it's two bolts. Come on, man. Like, put slap it on. And we put it on. We uh, fired up his vehicle. And uh, I said, well, something's not flowing here. Something's not flowing here. We adjusted it a little bit. I was like, man, this is like all brand new rebuild kit. I saw the kit, you know, when, when we got it. He dipped the carb and chem dip. Everything should have been cool. Um, I opened up, I forget, like opened up one screw uh, to get f- uh, the fuel flow into the from the bowl, you know, and get everything moving and going. Um, everything started running fine and uh, just a little bit of adjustment it needed and then it was running good. And um, his engine was missing, but I was like, listen, dude, it's because of the spark plug. Replace your spark plug. He never did. You know, you know old guys... And when they're really old, they don't listen to you if you're young, younger than them. So, um, of course, he never replaced a spark plug, so it always had a little bit of a miss. But he took it to this place to have it, like, worked on for some other stuff. And, uh, like, doing the clutch. I was like, dude, clutches are easy. Pop pop the baby out. Pop the new one in. It's like, you literally, it's so, so easy. I mean, unless, you're take, unless you need, like, a special tool to take off the clutch basket. But, you, you know, you don't need to do any of that stuff. You just need to... You know, here, I'll tell you how to do it. You pop it out, pop it in, blah, 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 yada, yada. Old, old, you know, another thing, old guys don't want to do old stuff unless it's playing golf. So uh, at any rate, make a long story short, the car parts, he goes down and the the place that he took it to did uh, everything for him. And of course, you know, labor is always more than parts. And I, it was a couple hundred bucks in parts. And I was like, well, shit, what they charge you? They they charged you for a new, they like two or 200 something bucks for a new carb. You had literally just rebuilt that carb. What the hell? Um, what did it, what was wrong with it? Oh, they said it was wonky, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, where is it? Oh, they didn't give it back to me. Um, a, there was no core charge on there. I mean, okay. You know, you're replacing the clutch. You throw the clutch plates away and stuff like that. You don't, reuse those for anything or recondition them or nothing like that. Th- those are trash. Most, a lot of stuff you replace, if it's a wear item, it's trash. Brake pads, you're not going to keep that crap. Uh, spark plugs, you're not going to keep those around. You know, if you clean them and reuse them, pardon me, and they're still good, so be it. But, you know, if they're not, you trash them and you put a new one in. I get it. But a carburetor, you give a person, like, I talked to, this happened right before I went to Cerberus Motorsports, and that's why I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show, because I did talk to Dave about it. You, he says, you know what, whenever I replace anything, anything, unless, like we just said, it's a wear item, I bag it up and I give it back to the, uh, the person that brought it in, you know, hell, even if they're not going to use it, they can throw it away. You know what I mean? Because what do I want it for? I don't want it for nothing. And I said, yeah, I told him that they just charged him 200 bucks for a carburetor, 
you know, this old guy that I helped. And now they're going to clean that one up or f- do whatever to it and resell it to someone else for 200 bucks. Like that thing was brand spanking new and it was the, uh, the Solex. I mean, it was like a OG, you know, carb. It wasn't no like new carb. It was like the OG one. And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, oh, whatever, whatever. But that just chapped my hide that they would, a shop would take something and not give the old one back when it's something like a carburetor or even if it was like a head or something, even if your head's busted or they'll, they should at least ask you, Hey, your head's cracked. Do you want it? You know, cause if you don't, we'll scrap it for you, blah, blah, blah. But you know, you never keep this stuff and uh, no core charge or anything like that. They just yanked it and uh, what the hell. So that's my first one. My next part of the backfire, my next thing I want to bring up was I heard some people, I, there's this one show that I listen to, a radio show. I'm not going to say who or I'm not going to out people, but I will be snarky and snide about all this shit. Talking about the Ducati rocket engines, and this went around, I don't know, three weeks ago or so on the news. Ducati rocket engine. They did not say, and this guy is like talking about, oh man, I can't, you know, I don't know about bikes going around in rocket engines. And it's like, dude, you are a biker. You are on a professional radio show. You talk about bike stuff all the time. You would think you would do your due diligence when you're reading a news source or a piece of informative information text telling you that Ducati does not have a rocket engine in their bike. You know, they did not even say rocket engine. They they were going to maybe use an exhaust, a rocket style exhaust to like focus the thrust to keep the thing from wheelie in. They pointed the exhaust slightly down to make the exhaust pressure, you know, push the, uh, the back of the bike up to keep the front of the bike down. And it was basically technology based on or a design based on what a rocket exhaust looks like, you know, and apparently it wasn't even the first time they'd done it or somebody had done it before, you know? So like a, it was not new news. B it was just like fucking clickbait shit going around. People just, you know, every single website had to report on the same thing because nothing's happening three weeks ago in the throes of winter before MotoGP started and no racing's going on except for motocross, you know, and that has nothing to do with the silly season shit of MotoGP. So it's like, wow, let's talk about a Ducati rocket engine. They're not making a rocket engine. Dudes, for real. All right, next piece. This also has been circulating for like three weeks or a month or something, but we're talking about hover bikes. And I can't tell you how many things I've read on hover bikes. Again, popping up during the wintertime when not much is going on except for cool shit like motorcycle shows where it's not deathly, you know, in the death grips of winter. Uh, I don't know hover bikes big deal hover bikes and i've seen some that are real some that are photoshopped and the news apparently you know fake news is a real thing now and alternative facts and uh, all this stuff is just great because it feeds right into it hover bikes first of all uh not a bike okay 
bike means bicycle, which means two cycles, like which they usually call that because of the two wheels that went in a circular motion, right? Circular cycle motion. But this hover bike had four blades. So even if it did have two blades, I still wouldn't consider it a, a bike. Uh, in the strictest sense of the term, bike. And B, it had four fucking blades. So that's not bicycle. That's a quad hover vehicle. The fact that you put handlebars on it doesn't make it a bike. That means the bumper car down at the local carnival that I used to ride when I was a 12-year-old kid with little T-bar handlebars on it was a motorcycle. Uh, It was a quad bumper bike, if you're going to call something with handlebars a bike. Just because it has handlebars. My jet ski, well, I don't have one, but... You know, your jet ski is not a bike just because it has handlebars, you idiots. So hover machines are not hover bikes. Hover machines, damn it. So at any rate, also, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, the same show that was talking about the Ducati uh, rocket engine. Week, couple weeks later was talking about Harley's live wire, how Harley wanted to be the first with that type of, uh, electronic, uh, you know, electric technology in the, uh, making it to the, whatever the industry first. And I was scratching my head, but I think they were talking about, you know, versus Indian and Indians like maybe going to be bringing out an electric bike based on their victory platform, you know, when victory, the impulse, but Whatever, that news is coming up as well, uh, and it'll be out soon enough. But Harley did not want, Harley wanted to be the first. Dude, Harley's is not even out yet. Yet here we have Bramo, who started, hell, I rode a Bramo back in 2007. That's 10 years ago, and they were out before that. So we've had like Moto Sizz. We've had, there's some company up in the Bay Area that was making them based on Suzuki GSXR fairings with the i forget what their name was but they were private they probably still are they haven't come out yet but they were making electric bikes um, moto sis was making electric bikes bramo zero was making electric bikes way back when bramo was um mugen has been making you know the the mugen shinden honda hasn't officially said it's their electric bike yet but gear on damn teed as soon as like harley or somebody else brings out a, a mainstream oe brings out a bike honda's gonna be like well we've had this mugen shinden now for like the past 10 years um so i'm sorry harley davidson is not even close to being the the first market like mass produced electric bike like not even close i think the the wakan was is that right that was that french one or maybe the maybe it was made in la hell i don't know but there was another one uh w a k a n i think was also an electric uh motorcycle that had been around for a while energica that's another one that's coming to the bay area from italy or spain or some shit like that like dude harley not the first, bro. I am so sorry to tell you. Um, also, speaking of bros, let's get off the topic of bros and get on to the topic of assholes. Because this happened to me the other day. What the what the hell? Speaking of all these people road raging into motorcycles and motorcycles slamming into the back of the people by being dumb idiots. Um, what's up with the assholes in cars trying to race bikes off the line at stoplights? Uh, this kind of goes into, I think somebody I've read on several different things about lane splitting and the guy that, you know, they just got 15 years for running the bike over 
and most road rage that happens with motorcycles passing people, people want to be first. It's human nature. It's a competitive nature. You want to be first. Uh, you don't want the other car to go by and when that or vehicle. And when that other vehicle is a motorcycle and you run them over and you almost kill them or kill them, um, things go bad. So I just don't understand. The other day I'm at a stoplight and I'm going and the car next to me, I wasn't even, it's not like I'm revving my engine and doing the, um, what is that movie? Uh, Better Off Dead or something like that. Old eighties movie where like the, he looks over and the two, the two Japanese exchange students are always racing him, you know, and, uh, every stoplight, they're just ready to go. You know, they're ready to race. And, uh, so I feel like that's how the car was the other day and I've seen it more and more and then I'm splitting lanes and then um, here I am telling one, uh, you know, replying to another podcast on Facebook, how I feel safer splitting lanes because the hairs on the back of my neck stands up when I'm not splitting lanes because I'm ready to be like a meat sandwich, right? By someone who doesn't stop at a stop sign or while we're in traffic. So I only feel safe in between cars. And then the next thing I know when I'm in between cars, the dude like next to me thinks that he has to pull like a Ricky Bobby or like a John force and just blow me away to the next stoplight. And I'm not even racing. And I don't know, just weird. Why do people do that? People are so selfish. Also last thing I want to yap about, we need to wrap the show up. Dude on a drift trike. I was in my car this time, not on my bike, pulling out of a Ralph's. That all that sounds like a gigantic warehouse where you go to throw up, but it's actually a gigantic warehouse where you go to buy food. It's a supermarket here in California, Ralph's. And uh, I'm getting ready to go out, and I barely, out of the corner of my eye, in my, in my scion, it has the crappiest blind spots to begin with. I almost run over people on the daily every time I drive that fucking thing. But out of the corner of my eye, I just see this little black head moving and I'm like what the hell and I look over and it's this dude if I hadn't seen like just the top of his head moving I would have probably gone dude on a drift trike and if you don't know what a drift trike is is it's basically like a big wheel for grows ups and it sits about that low to the ground and it has a big wheel in the front and little plastic wheels in the back and dude is like 27 years old riding one down the street with his backpack on and all that shit. And I'm like, what the hell, bro? And uh, so luckily I didn't pull out and run him over. Luckily I saw just the top of his head right before he passed like in front of me. And as he passed in front of me, I I couldn't see because he went down in the dip of the drive. I was getting ready to pull out the driveway. So he dips down into the, you know how the driveways have like a, well, a driveway. There's the curb and then it dips down. So I did see the top of his head and then it disappeared. So, I mean, that's how crappy it would have been had I not seen him I would have went because he wasn't stopping you know he's on the sidewalk he he has the right of way here in California pedestrians have the right of way so I would have ran him over and uh so I'm like dude riding a drift trike on the sidewalk awesome idea bro and then he gets down to the end of the street and I've pulled out into traffic and I'm on my way home with my hot chips or whatever hell I was buying my 42 cases of jolt cola and uh, Podcaster's Delight, which is my favorite type of cereal. So anyway, yeah, I see him going down the street, and lo and behold, well, he's on the uh, he's on 
for all of you in America, we drive on the right-hand side of the road. He's on the left-hand side. So the the sidewalk ends and he has to go di- and it, and it begins again down the street, but it doesn't have like a uh, a ramp going up it. It only has the next driveway down. So this tool goes out there the uh Oncoming traffic was a way down because the stop the stoplight was red. So it turns green and they're coming. And this dude is out in the middle of the street going straight toward oncoming traffic that's about to be doing 40 miles an hour straight at him on his little drift trike. And he's drifting out there in the street because he has to like make it down off the sidewalk and go down the street and go up the next driveway before all that traffic gets to him. And he made it, but not by very much. And the drift trike is not as skinny as a bicycle. And I was just like, man, not only are you on the wrong side of the damn street, like you're going into oncoming traffic. Um, you're on a freaking drift trike. You can't even like bunny hop off the curb and bunny hop on the, up on the other curb. And heaven forbid you have to get off, and like push your drift trike across the street. But yeah, if I was on my motorcycle, it would have been cool. I would have seen him. But if I didn't even see him when he was in front of my car, which is not even like a lifted truck or anything, and then he's going out into traffic, I was just like, man, given drift bikes, they look like a hell of a lot of fun, but I never seen anybody just ride one down the street. All right. That's the end of the backfire, folks. Be looking for it uh, from now on, if I can remember to do it. Uh, I'm going to be bringing up issues I can't say grinds my gears because that's already taken, but I can say the backfire, man. You're waiting for my backfire. Literally backfire. All right, everybody, that's all we have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. We're not talking about dinosaurs. We're not talking about uh, bananas. We're not talking about pirates. We're not talking about cow assholes. Uh, We just try to keep it strictly related to motorcycles. And, uh, um, okay, all right, all right. We will announce the winners of the Solstice Slam. Here they are, ladies and gentlemen. Let's announce them in reverse order. Taking third spot, Bri Biffer, a.k.a. Paul, world traveler, coming to us from the Munich International Airport. Good job, Paul. Second place. Christopher Singsheim, Aussie Dan, Dr. K, and a few other celebrity guests liked your riffing, Chris. Good on keeping people engaged in motorbiking. And now, number one. With his, specifically, his first, well, the story about him falling to the dish because of a hawk. I can't tell you how much everyone got a laugh out of that, Aaron. I hope your agony, I hope your agony, my friend, feels good because it paid off in the end. Eric, listener Eric and Jason also receiving some votes, but not enough to put them into the final bracket 
Good job, you guys. Uh, all of you, thank you so much, so much for your contributions. Uh, Goldmeyer, you might just be dead by the time this thing comes out. You you really let some secrets slip, my friend. And uh, Eric, your topic definitely, definitely has poised us for future conversations on where the motorcycle industry may be headed and stuff we might talk about. So thanks, everyone, for participating uh, thanks again, you guys. I'll be getting in touch with you to mail out your prizes, uh, maybe even some booby prizes for the for the uh, guys who didn't make the cut but still want something cool. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, better clear some space out in that garage, my friend, because you're gonna get the humongous surprise. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but anyway. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around. Have a wonderful evening. Look at this. I made it through the whole show without having any bloops. I can't believe it. Actually, I don't believe it. I I think I just edited them out. I'm so sorry. So uh, let's get on to our sorry list. Uh, creative Writing, its associates, its producers, and all of the people involved with making this wonderful show, the crappiest show on the internet, would like to apologize to... Harley-Davidson and Indian Motorcycles, Yamaha, Honda, KTM, Husqvarna, Aprilia, Zeta, Macan, Bramo, Altimotors, Sizz, Suzuki, Suzuki, Kawasaki, We'd also like to apologize to Triumph Motorcycle Company, AFT and AFT Productions, Brian Smith, Brad Baker, Jared Meese, Nicole Chezza, Sammy Halbert, Kyle McGrain, Charlotte Kynes, Jamison Miner, the Bauman Brothers. We'd like to apologize to Dan Michael from DailyBikers.com. Sorry to Cerberus Motors. Sorry to Johnny J and the Flatfoot Fujis and the Fatfoot Fujis and Johnny J and the Flatfoot Fujis and Johnny J Swing. Sorry to Imperfect Produce. We'd like to apologize to... Well, we didn't mention any radio names, but... Sorry to all the people we mentioned in the backfire. We know you goofed. We goof too, all the time. Sorry to Aaron Shoe, Jason Goldmeyer, Paul, Chris, and Eric. And most of all, sorry to you for listening to this show. This truly is getting to be the worst motorcycle podcast. Also, thank you to that one listener on Stitcher. We are now only 4,999 away from our goal.